go ahead and get started, so please come on in. Well, welcome this evening, Calvary Church. It's great to see that so many people came out tonight. It's very encouraging, and I think you'll find uh, tonight will be a fun, a fun time together. And uh, so welcome, and then I also want to formally welcome you, Daniel, um, to Calvary Church for this evening. Absolutely. I'm so delighted to be here. And uh, so delighted to see all your beautiful faces and uh, looking forward to getting to know as many of you as possible and, you know, touching base with you. So I want to just make a few preliminary comments and let you know what's all going on. There are a lot of events um, uh, this weekend, of course, that, uh, that we're part of and there are opportunities for interaction. So even tonight after um, the interview, um, we'll just be meeting in the gym. We've got some cupcakes and coffee in there and hang around, and of course, you know, Daniel will be around as long as you want to talk to him personally. And then tomorrow morning, uh, 10.30 in the morning, um, we're gonna do a little different style. Um, so tonight is an interview, so I've prepared a bunch of questions just to help everyone really get to know Daniel a little bit better on a personal level. And uh, that should lead to a lot of questions in your mind and some things that you wanna ask him. And then tomorrow morning, he's gonna give us a little brief message on vision for outreach. And you'll have an opportunity to interact with him a little bit after his message. And then um, also, I'll remind you, but tonight, if you think of any questions of general interest, uh, you know, you can email those to me. Um, they need to get to my inbox by 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. Um, and, uh, and then I will pick some of those that might be of general interest to ask tomorrow as well. So, um, so that's the plan. And, of course, the calendar for his, his weekend is way busier than that. But if you look in the back of your packet... Um, his whole uh, itinerary is there, and if you don't have one, there are more in the foyer for you as well. So I wanted to start off on, and just uh, familiarize you with a couple things before we get started here. So in the packet, yes, I'm sorry, what's that? Well, I'm going to be doing that soon. So um, I just want to introduce you a little bit more. So um, uh, from the beginning of the letter, we're thrilled to introduce you to Daniel K. Newby, our candidate for Outreach Director. Um, so after a year of searching and interviewing many potential candidates, we believe God has clearly and consistently uh, led us to recommend this particular man, Daniel Newby. So uh, just to remind you of that process, it was, a, it was almost a year ago to the day <laughs> that we engaged Slingshot Group uh, to help us with the search for an outreach director and uh, our consultant with that group, Chris Lagerloff. Some of you got to meet him, but he's been very helpful in the process, I think both to you personally and uh, also to us as a congregation. So that's been a long process. Um, and uh, we have, uh, Daniel's been known in our emails to protect his identity as 011. Yeah, so he's number 11. So you can also call him number 11. Um, but uh, yeah, so we've been through a, a good number of candidates. All of them have, you know, made it to different levels in the process, but, but Daniel's the one that stands out, of course. So just a, a little bit more, I won't read the whole letter, but having interacted with Daniel over the past number of months, including his visit here last in April. So we had him come out too, just for a, a quiet visit to get to meet the, you know, some of the staff and the elders, um, to get to know the area a little bit better, to see the church, 
um, and those types of things. So he had an opportunity to have actually been here earlier than this particular weekend. But we've come then, you know, we got to meet him personally, which was very helpful, and become more convinced that he's the right time, right guy for the right, this time at this church and lead us forward in the opportunities we have in our community. So, and as an outreach director, he's going to have two main areas of responsibility. We'll talk about this later, but working directly to help us become better at outreach and also developing partnerships. And uh, we believe he's an excellent fit because of his background and his education, his experience and all those types of things. And, and I uh, just simply said in a letter at one point, you're going to like Daniel. And I think tonight, uh, that's really what you'll come away with is you get to hear him answer some things, some questions, tell a little bit of his story. Um, and interact with him that, uh, that you'll really come to enjoy him as well. So let me, um, let me open us in prayer, and, uh, and we'll begin our evening. But Father, we thank you for your goodness toward us, your love, especially from all eternity in Christ Jesus, our Savior. We thank you for his uh, perfect redemption that he bought for us on the cross, and the power of the resurrection that empowers our lives and gives us hope for an eternal future of glory. Uh, we thank you for the ministry that you've given to Calvary Church over the years, and especially in this year and in the coming years in the future that we're looking forward to, which is really what this evening sort of signifies, is that we're looking forward to the future and what you might uh, yet do through us. And as it says in Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, that you would, we would pray that you would do immeasurably more than all we could ask or think. And uh, that is always our hope and our prayer and our desire. And we just pray this evening, too, that you would um, guide our conversation, guide this interview, um, bring to mind the things that uh, Daniel, that he could share that would be uh, most valuable for us to hear. And uh, we pray that you would bless our weekend together. In Jesus' name, amen. So one other thing I want to remind you of, too, is in, in the packet, um, I'll just give you, point out one thing, is that there, on the page where you see his photo, and then there are two links to training videos. If you haven't had a chance yet, I'd really encourage you to, to click on the first link first. And uh, it's a really good um, training video, Daniel, actually, on the basics of sharing your faith. Yeah, and I know we all think, oh, I already know the basics. Well, it's really good. It's a really good, really good. I was really encouraged by watching that. So tonight, uh, it's really just an interview format, you know, 45 minutes or so, and then we'll, we'll head back there. And uh, I'll try to keep a good pace, so sometimes it might feel like I'm abruptly shifting uh, topics, but I want to make sure we get to a, a number of things. So, um, so let's talk a little bit about your coming to faith, Daniel. Okay, so if you've had a chance to read the packet, he has a fascinating testimony in there um, of how he came to Christ. And could, like, maybe you could tell us a little bit more about growing up in Detroit as a pastor's kid. I'm sure, you know, being a PK, expectations sometimes encroach upon the gospel itself and can make it a little bit difficult. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about that experience. Sure. Um, thank you, Daniel. Uh, you know, growing up in Detroit, Detroit is a, uh, many of you probably heard of Detroit, it's an urban city. There are a lot of different challenges that are there. Um, the beauty of the city, I think, is when I look at the city, is the, the resilience of the people and uh, the capacity to continue to overcome challenges. And that's one of the things I think I took away just being in the city was just uh, learning that. Um, and then as, you know, being a PK, obviously there are tremendous expectations and, uh, you know, there's a lot that you're expected to do and you really have to take ownership of your faith. Um, and so that was something that I had to go through a process of understanding how to take ownership of my faith, how to have 
what I consider to be a, a first-hand faith, not a second-hand faith, which means I had to dig deep um, because, you know, we go through sort of the forms of ministry and we think we're okay, you know, and I had to learn that um, that wasn't sufficient. And it uh, took a while, and I'm still in recovery. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I, want, I want to, and you can always interrupt me, Daniel, because I, I, I will go on and on, you know, I know you got many questions you're going to talk about. On. So, uh, but no, the, but those are, those are some of the things. And, and just not being, uh, learning about uh, performance, learning how that, that did not, you know. And so I went through a study, you know. I, I spent time reading, the, reading through the Word personally. I went through a Bible Pathway program, which I don't even know if they still have that or not today. But it was one of those kind of things that you have Bible Pathway every day. You read a certain number of scriptures. And I would just read through that over and over again. So the whole concept of the justification by faith, you know, and, you know, I, theological term, but that was something I had to, had to really learn. And, uh, and still today, like I said, I, I want to be able to communicate that, that we are uh, good in God, okay, uh, apart from the works that we do. And that's one of the things I took away. There, there were challenges in, in pastoral ministry. I mean, I, I could tell you about so many different stories that my dad went through. He was there 33 years um, at one church. Um, and before that, he was at the rescue mission doing a rescue mission work uh, for in a recovery program. He was, I think, the director of that for about 14, well, maybe, tw I think it was 12 years, actually. But so he had a, he had a, a, a significant uh, footprint in the area. And so uh, uh, I think being around him uh, and being his passion for outreach, you know, we had a ministry called Mana Plus, which uh, we fed the homeless in the, in the basement of the church, but then Dad, he named it the Mana Plus. We also... Uh, delivered the word of God to to individuals. So um, we participated in the recovery ministry too that was there. We had a Genesis house ministry. So I was like engaged in a lot of those kinds of things, volunteering and stuff. So it was kind of in part and parcel of, of my upbringing. Yeah. So it sounds like, you know, you both had positive, you know, great positive experiences in ministry yeah. with your parents as well as, you know, just the challenge of being a PK and always being uh, looked at and expectations are, uh, so is your, are your parents Still around, uh, doing ministry? What's? Yeah, oh, my parents, no, they're no longer living. Uh, my dad passed in 2002. Uh, my mother passed in 1992. So they passed within 10 years. Um, and so, uh, but like I said, they, my mother was, <coughs> was the worship director and leader of the church. So she was very integrally involved with the music and the worship as well and uh, was just a great leader, uh, I think, uh, and, and a great mother uh, and really a great support for dad. So, um, yeah, they're not here. I, I think about them a lot, you know. Um, you know, I was young. I was in my 20s when my mother passed, and 30s when my dad passed, so it's, so it's been a while. But um, I think that example is, is, that, is, that, uh, is indelible on my heart. I would see dad in the mornings uh, just praying. He was a praying man. And uh, the way my bedroom was situated <laughs> in, the, uh, in the house, uh, I had a, I had a, all three of my brothers were in one room, but I was like sort of 180 degrees, you know, looking at the door. And I, I would wake up often in the morning and see my dad going down the stairs to pray. And it's those kind of things that was very powerful. And just so many, so many situations of his faithfulness. And we, we had, and it was a tough place. We were in, a, in the inner city. Um, there were some major challenges there. And I, you know, we'll maybe could talk about some of those at, sure. at some yeah, point. Some of those will probably come up and, yeah. and weave them in. Well, okay. thanks. Well, that's a little bit of a little yeah. story. And we'll get to your siblings in a moment. But um, so I know from your resume, uh, you know, you've lived in a lot of different places. You've ministered in a lot of different places. Um, you know, I noted uh, Michigan, 
North Carolina, Oklahoma, New Mexico, there are probably other places, but uh, can you give us a brief tour of your tour of the United States? Yeah, yeah, a brief tour. Uh, I'll make it brief this time. But uh, uh, North Carolina, uh, originally in Detroit, I was there 30 years when my dad uh, uh, passed away. Well, he was sick. He had he had uh, a terminal illness, and so I was uh, transitioning back and forth, you know, itinerating uh, from North Carolina, where I was doing some working with the church there uh, in in the youth ministry. They were a new church plant and working there with youth ministry. When he passed away, I was um, well before that. I was transitioning back and forth doing evangelism, and I was also one of the candidates for uh, the the senior pastor position there too at the time in my thirties. So, but. Um, once he passed away, I stayed in Detroit for a while to uh, sort of help with, you know, the transition, I think it would, I, I, I say, uh, for them, you know, getting set back, you know, with the, with a new pastor. Um, and then went to North, then went back to North Carolina after that and continued uh, working there with the church, uh, doing youth ministry. Um, and that church went a different direction. They had uh, no longer uh, a church at the present time. But just really interesting, um, God redirected my steps, and uh, uh, I, I ended up working with a gentleman, uh, Christian Missionary Fellowship in Cameroon, Africa. There were uh, some missionaries in Cameroon, and he was a church planter. Um, really interesting story, how I, how I met him. But um, uh, actually, when I was in seminary, I was uh, in one of my seminary friend's dorm rooms. He had a book on intercession. And uh, I had been asking God. God had spoken to my heart that he was, gonna, he was going to uh, mentor me in intercession, teach me about that. So that was the thing in my heart. So I walked in my, my, in my roommate's, seminary roommate's room, uh, and he had this book, this purple book. And I was so fixated on it. it he must have known because he said, he just kind of looked at me, and he gave me the book and said, take it home, you know. And so I took it home, and I read it, and I was just fascinated by the, uh, the, the depth and the commitment to prayer um, and put it away and didn't think a lot about it. But when I was in North Carolina and during that transition from the other church, I, I had been re reading that book. And interestingly, I called one of the bookstores and I, and I said, you know, do you have any more of these books? Because they were so rare, I think, in America. They were typically in, in uh, parts of Europe, uh, but not so much in America. But I ended up, he ended up saying, well, you know, there's, there's this gentleman here that brings some, some of those particular books here. I said, that's quite interesting. So he gave me the number of the gentleman. The gentleman actually was the brother of the author of the book in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So it was really interesting. So I ended up meeting him, and we ended up uh, doing uh, work together, a uh, church plant in North Carolina, then in Atlanta. Uh, and then uh, did that. Uh, I went to seminary in between that. Um, before that, because I was at Oral Roberts University as a, as, as a seminarian, um, and then also uh, uh, did work as as a recovery uh, minister uh, as well uh, in North Carolina, and uh, also did some work with an, a global missions organization. So I was in North Carolina for for a good while. Um, so and then I found myself looking at a potential church plant in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Um, we came to COVID, and it was really interesting. So God really began to, like, slow me down. And uh, I spent some really precious times with God during that period of time. And that's, I think, when um, he redirected my vision. And instead of church planning, he wanted me to, to serve and help church churches. Um, 
because I was thinking about a couple of ways to plant. You know, it could have been under the umbrella organization. It could have been um, in partnership with some things, and, and I would sort of be the primary planter. But um, I was praying through that, and, um, and interesting, I got a call from somebody. Actually, an email. Um, from, from who? From, it was from Chris. Yeah. And uh, again, I, was unsolic- I wasn't looking for it but, it. but so anyway, that process began. And so that's kind of where we are. Well, thanks, Daniel. Uh, there's a lot of stories I know in your history. Yeah, a lot of stories. So um, what's been your exposure to this part of the country, New Jersey? I know you have some friends around here. Cause yeah, yeah. I do. I, I have some New Jersey friends. Um, and, you know, it's always, good, it's always good to get first-hand information from friends, right? Um, and so I have a friend who uh, is a pastor, uh, a Nigerian pastor. He teaches at Essex County. And I've visited him several times, a couple times, actually. And uh, actually, I sat in on one of his classes at Montclair. And that was some years ago. I don't remember the exact time. But I got, I got a sense of New Jersey at that time. You know, it was really probably, I don't know, it's been quite a, quite a, t- a ways ago. But um, I learned about New Jersey at that time. I was learning about his ministry. Um, I have two other friends that spent, one that is currently here in New Jersey. He's, uh, I think it's Bergenfield or something like that. There's a place called Bergenfield. And uh, he works there. He lives there. And he works at uh, one of the uh, universities there. Um, and he also has a, has a church as well. Um, there's another friend of mine who's a leadership individual who uh, just left New Jersey, and I just talked to him a couple of weeks ago on the phone, and he's in Michigan now doing some of the work with the, the uh, leadership, I think it's the, the DeVos uh, business leadership that he's working with. So we had conversations. So through them, I learned about the city and learned about sort of, you know, visits, conversations, firsthand kinds of interactions, and learned about some of the beauty of New Jersey. They, they, were, they were fascinated by the beauty of the diversity, the, uh, the global uh, potential and possibilities of the city, the proximity to New York, uh, those kinds of things. You know. well, thanks, Daniel. One of the things that you'll find out about Daniel is that it, he stays very connected to his friends throughout his life. I mean, as we interacted with some of his references, it was just amazing how far back in some ways they go, and yet he's still connected with those people and still talks with them. So I was really impressed by that, Daniel. I wish I could stay in touch with my friends that much, but that's great. Well, tell us, let's go back to your family a bit. Um, so, um, so you're a single man, but I know that you're deeply committed to your uh, nieces and nephews. And uh, So tell us a little bit about your siblings. Uh, people might be interested to know that you're a twin. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and tell us about, uh, about your nep- nephews and nieces briefly. Yeah, I, I have a twin sister, Deborah. She's a beautiful twin sister. She's actually a of Michigan uh, for, I think it's a K through five or something like that now. But she's also been in ministry. She's a worship leader as well, and she plays piano. Uh, we were very close growing up. Um, she's married now, has two kids. Um, and uh, she's, in, like I said, in Michigan. I have two brothers. Uh, they're both in ministry. Uh, we grew up all playing the piano. Our mother, kind of when we were five years old, she, that was one of the things, kind of initiation into music. We all had to, had to play the piano, so... But they developed, I think, a, lo- a lot further than I did. Probably in proximity in terms of their, their, the, the order of the family, you know, the older. But I have an older brother who's very proficient in music. He's a professor of music uh, on the West Coast, and he does some other things on the East Coast. Um, and I have another brother who works for Ford. He's in the computer industry, uh, or, f- or credit industry, I should say, but that's technology in that area. Um, but he's also full-time uh, as a musician at the church. Uh, and then Anita I have, my wonderful, beautiful uh, younger sister. She is a, a worship leader, and, uh, and she actually now travels 
uh, with a cruise line, and she actually, you know, fulfilling her passion and love for entertainment, but then she also makes very powerful connections with people, and I, I spent some time in Alaska with her, so that was really nice. Get, get some of those perks too, right? Um, and uh, so that was nice. So, I have a, a, you know, family has all been doing a lot of different things in different places, Seattle, Washington, Atlanta, Michigan, you know, Nita's, I think, she, I called her recently, you know, WhatsApp, I gotta use that sometimes, but um, I think she was in Alaska, Vancouver, those places, really good. Well, thanks, I know you stay connected to their kids because oh, every, yeah, every yeah, time yeah, I try to nieces. talk to you, it's I, like you're I, traveling, visiting yeah, your nephews. And yeah, nieces. I didn't mention that, five, nie five nieces and nephews, three boys, two girls, and they're also, my youngest nephew just uh, started at uh, Pittsburgh uh, doing a, a degree in, uh, I think, a sports sort of, uh, sports development or something of that nature. Um, I just was at his graduation in Seattle uh, just recently this summer. Uh, I have another nephew. He's also in Detroit, Michigan. He works for uh, a parts industry there and travels all over doing a lot of, uh, you know, work with different parts of the organization, different departments. Um, I have the other two nieces and nephews, uh, Deborah's two. They're involved with music. They're, they're, they're kind of those entrepreneurial types. They're, they're wanting to get in music and production because Detroit has that kind of pull on you too as well. Um, and then my youngest, uh, uh, well, well Silas is the youngest, but Jasmine, the other I didn't mention, she's also involved in the healthcare technology area. Uh, and she's also a uh, Detroit Lions cheerleader now. So really excited oh, wow. about that. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Wow, that's great. You know more about your nieces and nephews than I do about my kids. Okay, that's great. So, well, let's turn and talk a little bit about um, ministry for a bit here. So, so broadly speaking, you know, when you look at the church in America especially, and I mean, I know you have global connections too, but um, what, do you, what do you see as some of the, the top outreach opportunities that the church in America has and, or maybe areas that the Lord has been burdening your heart for these days? Two areas I say the Lord's been burdening in my heart is the issue of uh, unity in the body of Christ. Um, and that's been an issue that has really been dealing with my heart for quite some time, uh, many, many years. Um, the fact that we can do so much more as a uh, ministering to the world, reflecting the collaboration and the uh, unity as a body of Christ. And so having to become de-siloed, so to speak, you know, I don't know if that's a word or not, but de you know, get out of our siloed, our enclaves, and begin to make intentional steps to be unified. Because the word of God, you know, you uh, talked about that, you know, they will know uh, that you are my disciples by your love and by the unity that the body of Christ uh, exhibits. Uh, this Holy Spirit is a spirit of unity, of oneness. And there's so much contention, as you know, that we face today in our culture. I mean, there's so much contention. And if we can be that differentiating body in the midst of all of this tension, that will be a powerful testimony of Christ, because we are one in him, you know, we've been, he's, he's brought the two that were part together uh, by the blood of Christ, and so that's a really powerful, I think, that, that's something I think we have to practice and be intentional about, and that's one of the things I think the body of Christ can, can learn a lot of this one, and the other one I would say would be uh, just the issue of the priesthood of the believer, the fact that uh, the reality is, is that uh, everyone's a minister, okay, uh, and, you know, the recovery of that that understanding. There's, there was a horizontal recovery, I, I would say, uh, well, I actually say vertical recovery with Luther when he was, it was we having access to God. But then the, the vertical recovery that we need with one another, I think, is a part that hasn't been developed as much. Everyone's a minister, and uh, moving in the marketplace, 
but also entrepreneurism. So those are the kind of things that I think are wonderful opportunities for us today. Okay, yeah, so unity, unity in the body is one that you mentioned. The other one is, uh, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but priesthood of all believers or, you know, using gifts. So some of you may not be familiar with that phrase, but it comes back from the Reformation era. And the whole idea is that it's not just, ministry is not just for the professional or for the clergy people. Um, but it's really something, you know, God has given gifts and distributed them broadly in his body. And we all have responsibility and privileges to be serving the body of Christ, extending the kingdom, serving one another. So there's a huge topic on that, but we'll, we'll get into a little bit more of that later. Um, here. clarifying. No, 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 I probably just, <laughs> no I, I'm your interpreter. Oh, okay, absolutely. So, yes. I appreciate it. I need interpretation. So, so, um, so here's another one, too. You know, it's always interesting coming to a new area, um, trying to learn the specifics of a local community and, and a broader region. Um, so... Just, do you have any, and you've done this, I think, globally as well as different places, you know, recently moving to New Mexico just to help with a church plant, but how do you go about, do you have a guide that you use on how you make connections in a new community? How do you find out what's going on, what's going well, what's not going on, those kinds of things? Yeah, that's a great question, and, you know, I, I will say I had, a, I had a mentor of mine when I worked at uh, New Directions International, Dr. J.L. Williams, and he, he would always talk about the importance of FaceTime importance of being and knowing people face to face. He talked about the importance of having boots on the ground. And I will tell you, there's no substitute. Nowadays, we, we'll sit behind a c computer and do research, and no nothing's wrong with that. Don't get me wrong, I, I do that too. I mean, I have Hartford research at home and other areas to research, and I you know, look at the demographics. But when you really want to know a culture, and you really have to engage people. So, um, you know, I have some principles that I sometimes employ. Um, I won't go through all of them, but but there's certain things that I like to do. Um, I first of all like to know my identity, like who am I in God? You know, what is it important? To, you know, and I say that when I say identity. What's important? What's value to me? What, how has God you uniquely made me as an individual? Because that's going to tell you a lot about who he wants you to connect with. A lot of people don't have a, a clarity on that. Um, I think when you're making partnerships, I, I sometimes look at the diversity, commonality, tension, that we want to make sure that we're diverse enough so that they can complement, I can need them, but common enough in values that I'm not compromising what I am connecting with for. And there's a whole thing of activity that I use, uh, how I make activities, and I use community engagement uh, principles. Um, uh, also, just being proactive, you know, going out and being proactive, looking at practicality, uh, does this make sense, those kinds of things. Um, but those are the kind of things, you know, I, I have a friend of mine, you know, we're in New Mexico, and we had a conversation the other day, and he's, uh, New Mexico, Las Cruces, has a huge Catholic population. And uh, uh, he, kn knowing that, he opened up a, uh, a sort of a Catholic forum on, on, on uh, weekends. And he would invite people to talk just about Catholicism. And obviously, he came out of Catholicism, so he had a real passion for that. So he knew himself. That was something important to him. So then, obviously, he was able to connect with them because God sent him there for many other things. But he sent him there, and he, knowing himself, what, what gifts I have, he was able to connect with the people that God wanted him to connect with, not necessarily knowing that from the beginning that it was a huge Catholic place, or at least a place that had a lot of Catholic roots. Um, but what came out of that was interesting, that he was able to then, uh, he was, he was uh, called on to write an article in the paper there. He began to write articles on Catholicism and, and, and really was able to make inroads in terms of getting people to, to reorient to their understanding of uh, real faith. And again, I'm not... No, that's a really creative idea. Yeah, so he did that. And, 
It's really interesting. And I, I, I use that as an example. And we had this conversation. I talked to him quite a bit. I mean, he's and uh, have a wonderful times fellowship. But, um, but he talked about that. And I, I use that as an example. I mean, that's his example. But, you know, I did the same thing. I, went, I you know, there was, uh, uh, there was this wonderful place, a Mountain, Co- Mountain View Co-op in Las Cruces. I used to go there almost every week. They had weekly meals there. I used to love going there, uh, getting food. Uh, and, they, and, and you would meet people from every walk of life. I can't tell you how many conversations I had at that place. So you got to utilize uh, FaceTime, boots on the ground, getting people, knowing the pulse of the place. There's no substitute for that. That's good. So you'll be really busy here. Okay. Um, well, there's some things that might, you know, I will, I will mention here that you, you won't see in your packet. But I made a list of words that have been repeated. You may not know this. In conversations I've had with you over the last few months, in your conversations here with some of our uh, interviews with the elders and things, so these are theme. These are themes as you talk. Um, so during our many conversations, um, I hear key themes emerge, such as values, commitments, passions of yours that are along these lines: discipleship, transformation, formation, diversity, missional, partnerships, church planting. It's a long list, sorry. Missions, entrepreneurism, engaging evangelism, equipping and training, relational ministry, teamwork, strategic alignment, you know, and learning. Now, I'm sure you'll share a lot more tomorrow. Some of these are technical terms, I understand, but... You took um, good notes, Dan. I did. I took very good notes. So, um, but, you know, there's like, you know, thousand hours of lectures in there. But um, maybe that'll trigger something in your mind here in a minute. My next question is, is just to share maybe some of your philosophy of ministry, in a, you know, in a very simple kind of way. I'm sure tomorrow a lot more will come out. Um, but maybe pick, pick a word or two there that I just listed and tell us a little bit about why it's important to you. Yeah, um, I'll just take, you know, there's so many that I could take, but I'll take formation. I, I, I think formation is... Can you define that first? Because oh, okay. that's a technical term these okay, days. Okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Thank you, because I sometimes say things and I don't always think about that. But no, formation has to, be, has to do with us developing, I, I think becoming, forming, you know, being conformed into the person God really intended for us to be. Is that, does that help? That helps. Yeah, we just, we just want to become, we want to have the fruit of the Spirit. We want to we live like God wants to live. We want to have the care about people, have compassion. So that process of being formed or being made into God's image happens in our, uh, throughout the entirety of our lives in different circumstances, not just the, the good, but the, sometimes the not so good, uh, the ups, the down, the vicissitudes of life. So that's really important. But oftentimes what I find is that, and I say use formation because, uh, you know, I think sometimes in ministry, we can sort of overlook how that is critical in everything that we're doing. You know, sometimes we put programs because we want to, you know, have activities that we want to do. And I'm a, a person who likes to do activities and likes to be engaged and involved. But if in those activities, you know, I said one time to someone that sometimes God calls pastors, and I do understand this, to actually deliver them, to help them. Okay, now, now that's an oversimplification, and it's not entirely right. But, but it makes a point of what I'm trying to say. 
Um, even in the ministry, as you're serving, you're becoming like what God wants you to become. Okay, and obviously you're helping and serving and helping people. So that's with all of us, as, as all of the believers that you all are. So when we're doing activities, we're coming back and saying, Lord, you know, uh, uh, what, you know, what do you want me to learn? You know, I think about the, the scripture uh, when the 70, I think it was the 72 or 77, I can't remember exactly, they went out to minister and they came back and, oh my God, we were so excited about that the demons were subject to Jesus. And he said, you know, and that was like a, that was a moment where God says, I want you to focus on formation. He said, realize, you know, be thankful that your names are written in heaven. So he brought them back to a point of significant focus. And so that's what happens in formation. So there's ways to go about that, but that's kind of in a nutshell. Yeah, I, I want to follow up a little bit more on the formation thing. So, you know, being, if, if I got it right, I would just simply s say from my, my point of view, so is that oftentimes we do ministry, but sometimes we forget that we're the one that's actually changing. Exactly. You know, and that exactly. God is actually doing things in us as we're ministering to other people. And sometimes we're just always focused on what we're doing for other people. Uh, so yeah. it sort of led to my next question because you brought this up a few times in conversations, and I'd like you to expand on it. And that is, you talk a lot about helping people do two things at once. One is minister out of their giftedness, which you've already sort of talked about. Mm -hmm. But then you've told me how you like to put people in, in situations that really stretches them and causes them to grow. Not to scare people here tonight, <laughs> yeah, exactly. but you know how how do you go about doing that? Or maybe you have an example or two of yeah. how you get people to serve according to their gifts, but yet continue to grow. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, everyone you know with their giftedness, we're we're familiar and comfortable with things that we're good at. If we like to sing, we're comfortable with that. We want to sing, right? Mm -hmm. um, but one of the things and the principles I think about is when Paul talked to Timothy, uh, he encouraged Timothy. He said, and the things that you have heard, you know, from the many witnesses, the things I've spoken to you, he said, entrust these to reliable men and, uh, and, and to pass those things down. So the way that I look at is that what happens when we're stretching is not only are we using our giftings, but we're developing others because that's speaking about the gospel, but we can apply that principle to other areas. One of the ways to stretch is that whatever God has gifted and enabled you to do, I always ask myself the question, well, who am I preparing to do it better than me and to replace me? Yeah. And if we think about that, that's really a stretch. Now, most of us, we like to do our gifts. You know, we like to, you know, I'm good at this and whatever. But, we're, you know, we're gonna, not going to be here forever, right? So, but Jesus did that. Jesus was like, I got to go away, right? And, oh, but he was, you know, and then he sent the, you know, sent the comforter, right? He's going he's gonna to, you know, continue the work. And so we, 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 you know, that's one way to stretch is that taking your gifting, but then also putting people in unfamiliar situations. When I was in the mission field, I would often take young people over to different parts of the overseas. Some of them were unbelievers. I would have them praying for people, you know, and they didn't even believe God. Um, that's a stretch. That's a stretch, um, yes. And then I would have some uh, unbelievers. We, we would go to churches and they would preach. We had, we had teams that we dispatched and sent out because we, we work with the churches. And so they would always, on Sunday, we always went to a church and send a team of like three to five and then people would preach. Some of them never preached before. That's a stretch, right? So they were good at giving their testimony, doing maybe the, 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 the miming that we did, but they wanted to stay familiar and comfortable in that. So, so I, like to try, I like to bring people to a place where we're developing somebody, multiplying yourself in your giftings, not just the gospel, but all of the things that you do as a gift. And then also putting you in unfamiliar situations, like I said, you know, um, putting them in something that you've never done. Now, we do that overseas, I think, sometimes because, you know, we, 
we're looking it's for resources. It's easier to find those kind of situations. Yeah. Right, because it's a need, right? And so here in the state, sometimes we, there's always somebody sitting right next to us that can do what needs to be done. So, oh, you just do what you're good at. But putting people in uncomfortable situations, it's, it helps develop them. And they get an appreciation for what that means. And that's how the body informs one another and they learn and they grow. As long as you don't make me sing, I'm okay. <laughs> All right. So, no, that's, that's very helpful. So I found that to be a very useful principle in ministry, too, is, uh, is putting people in positions where they're not, not fully confident and uh, even, not even fully training people on purpose so that the training actually happens in, in the experience and then you get to debrief it. So I know we think a lot alike on that anyway. But, so let's jump in a little bit more um, to Calvary, uh, a little bit focus here. So, and of course, you don't know us that well yet at all, um, and we don't know you that well at all. But uh, again, just sort of uh, briefly, you know, if you look at, you know, your, your job description as an outreach director from a high level, it's really like a couple things. You know, one is helping us as a congregation be better at outreach, helping us individually be better at outreach. I mean, that's sort of one whole prong, and there's a lot of pieces to that. Uh, and sort of the second um, big emphasis would be partnership development um, and connections at a broader level, especially using the, the local evangelism and outreach fund that we affectionately call the LEO fund here, which you've, I've informed Daniel about that, so he knows a little bit about that. But let's take the, the first part first, and then we'll come to the second part second. But, um, you know, just how, how do you think you might be able to help us congregationally or maybe personally just become better at being outreach, doing outreach? Yeah, um, you know, I, I, one of the things I, I would always say is, um, well, first of all, I want to make this very clear. Daniel has mentioned to me what a great congregation you all are. He told me what, what a praying people you are. Uh, talked about the giftedness. I shouldn't be telling you, but, yeah. but he's, he's telling me how gifted you all are. Doing church, and, and just last night we were talking about different things that they're doing. And I was like, "You guys are doing a lot." So uh, the reason why I'm saying that is to understand that when God brings people together, again, this is a part of the community. Uh, their perspectives that you know, when I look for someone to be a counselor or a coach, it's not so much that they're. I mean, they have experience, no question. They're trained, but what happens is they come with different perspectives. They come with fresh eyes. They come with different uh, experience. God has led them in a journey that is very different. So I'm saying that in a way, and oftentimes we, we push that aside very easily because it says to us, you know, oh, this is different than we are, we're different. But God brings people together because he wants that perspective to be added. And that's what I'm saying. And, it, and that's, I think, one of the biggest things. I'm going back to the unity thing in the church. So how I could help is that bringing the urban perspective, bringing in a place where I grew up in, in the city, um, I have different perspectives. I like working with people um, in a collaborative way, helping them to see and to draw out the gifts that's inside of them. So I'm really coming as a servant. You know, it's not, I, mean, I mean, leading is a thing, but, but leading is really serving, right? You're helping people. So if, <clears throat> can I interrupt for a second? Absolutely. So it's, it's, it's not so much like directing, it's like saying, hey, we're gonna do these six things you do this, you do this, you do this, but it's more of like seeing how stuff emerges out of the congregation and what the giftings are, and then crafting something that we can accomplish together. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, one of the elders is an architect. And I, you know, that's I, 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 I like that fact, I just, I'm fascinated by different fields. Um, but that's kind of what we do. We, we, we sit there and I was asking earlier, you know, you know, you know um, working on a house for somebody that th their idea, it may not be his idea, I mean, he may not even listen to her look at the house and say, that's what I would do with a house. You know, he may think, this is a 
unusual, but it's unique, and so you're unique. And so we kind of function like midwives, you know? We're giving birth to something by being on someone's side and assisting them in having that to come forth. I hope I'm not saying too philosophical. No, that sounds philosophical. So coming alongside, I use, I use the word coaching, coaching when I talk about that, coaching people in ministry, coaching people for leadership development. Um, and I use that model myself, too, in, on an individual basis with people. Individual. So, like, if helping somebody find out what their gifting might be, what their calling might be, how they could be more effective in outreach. I mean, we all have our ideas, and sometimes we're doing well. Sometimes we feel, oh, not a lot's happening. Um, you know, I forgot my question. There was one. But I think it was something along the lines of, like, how do you personally engage with somebody like sit down with like if I came to you Daniel said you know I just want to be better at outreach I really want to reach people for Jesus you know uh, how would you help me well you know I'll give you an example I was I was sitting down in Las Cruces to Mexico with a church and there was some leadership team there the pastor was there there were some people there and I asked questions I asked questions I don't try to give always give answers and I asked them a question I says they're, they, they're sort of in a place where the church is going through and 80% of the some of the main denominational churches are going through is declines right now in America, and uh, but they were they were struggling with like how can we engage the youth? How can we build a family ministry? And so I asked questions. I, I, I asked one of the leadership people. I said, "Well, I said, what do you see? What do you see happening at your church?" And the pastor had mentioned. He said, "You know, well, we don't know what's going to happen, and, and we don't know, but I also know that we have to get out of our our perspectives that." God wants us to see something in the community. What I mean by that, it's not, it's not so much that, you, that, that we know exactly what's God going to build, but, but Calvary, all, you know, I don't know how many people are here today, but you all feel something and you see something. And when I said that to them, and that's just one question, one of the many questions we asked, but he came to me, he said, man, he said, I hadn't really done that before. I hadn't really thought about what I see happening in this community. So that's vision. Man devises his plan, but the Lord orders his steps. God gives us permission to come up with a, a vision, an idea, a plan. He'll order it. He'll, he'll refine it. But so you're asking questions. You're drawing out of people. You're helping to fashion. You're helping to connect them with resources that will help bring that vision to pass. So I'm, I'm there crafting, helping people draw out in them uh, what their vision is and, and, and bringing that to pass, so to speak. Well, good. And I'm sure, you know, like I mentioned, I mentioned to Daniel uh, last night, we went out for dinner just to get reacquainted about all the stuff we got going in September and October. It's like making my head spin. Uh, you know, every weekend we got something uh, exciting going on, different ministries. You know, we've got the street fair coming up. We got this uh, outreach event uh, or harvest festival. There's so many things and everyone's involved in so much of this. It's great. Um, but let's talk a little bit about just shifting abruptly here to sort of the, the Leo fund idea. So um, as it's mentioned in your uh, letter, I mean, one of the, the impetus to really even say, hey, you know, the Leo Fund provides us an opportunity to, you know, pursue someone in the position of outreach director, not just for us, but to then make that fund more effective, right? I mean, that's the thing. It's not, we don't just want to say, okay, here's a pot of money, let's just give it all away. We want to make sure that the ministry is as effective as possible and that we're doing things that we might not even know about, partnerships that exist that we have yet to discover, uh, those kinds of things. And so that's really what led the elders down the road of, you know, we really need to think through what an outreach director and how an outreach director could help us get that done. Um, so I know you sort of already answered this, but my question really is, how would you go about 
making connections and building partnerships with different ministries. And, you know, and I know I've informed you of some of our major partners that are local, uh, so he knows about some of those things that we have going on, like in Patterson and in uh, Morristown and some other places. But anyway, so how would you answer yeah, that? I, you know, I, I probably would circle back around to some of the things I had mentioned earlier, but I, I, I really think it's important when you're developing part. First of all, I want to know your, the identity of the church, right? I, I want to know what's important to them, drawing out what's significant. What do they want to architect? What do they want to bring forth? What do they want to form? And then when I'm going out and meeting people and interacting and I'm, I'm, I'm looking at, you know, their, their, their skills, their giftings, their abilities, what is, the, is this in alignment with Calvary? Um, you know, I, I do always believe in once you find that, putting together a proposal, putting together a f two to three to five year plan, not necessarily to formalize it, but also to be able to just crystallize what you want to do in a practical sense, how that partnership would be helpful. So those are things that I always like to do, um, document those things, keep those things on file. So um, it, it has a lot to do with understanding you and then getting to know the people that are in the community and and, and knowing what's significant and valuable and vital to them, and actually putting them together, developing plans, developing you know uh, proposals that would that would potentially be workable, um, and then making sure there's alignment. Um, and it's it, it takes it takes work. <laughs> sure it does, because within a 15 mile radius, you're talking about you know yeah. millions of people. You're talking about Absolutely. every culture under the sun. I mean, you're talking about everything. So there's a possibility. Yeah, and 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 because you the congregation is the eyes and the ears, right? You, you're going to know, you know, if there's 50 people here or whatever, you're going to be in places and you're going to see things. You're going to say, I mean, this is something that might, might work. So we're sourcing, you know, the multiple, multiplicity of perspectives and eyes that are here to be able to again, put together something that's going to be functional. Well, thank you, Daniel. So I know there's a lot more there. So I want to shift gears yet again uh, for the last 10 minutes here um, and talk about um, maybe some other items here different different so over your ministry career um so if you just look through his resume you think man this guy has done like everything so you've been in different roles you've been in youth ministry you've been in urban ministry you've been in global missions you've been involved in church planting you've been involved in community outreach did you know all this well yeah. now I'm, I'm learning that right yeah now. yeah you've been involved in recovery ministries you've been involved in relief ministries You've been involved in teaching and coaching and consulting and training. So I'm just wondering, you know, my question is, is like, well, how in the world in the midst of all that did you discern that God is calling you to transition out of your current ministry and perhaps even be here at Calvary? How did you figure that out? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Um, and, you know, one thing I would always say is that we, we have to walk out our own journey, right? Um, I don't ever look at all the experience of someone and say, you know, make any sense of like comparison or anything like that. I try not to. I mean, we naturally do it. But the fact that everybody has a journey. God is preparing us, developing us for certain purposes. Um, and I like to think of it as God, you know, as building a house. You know, um, he has had me in different places, but I like to think that he's just been building on, on different levels. Um, but when I spent that time, and again, I was looking at church planning, but I spent that time, I had some really precious time in, like I said, during COVID. Uh, because I was at a point where things were standing still. And, and God really spoke to my heart that he wanted to take the diversity of experiences and to use those to help congregations. And that was, that was just very, very, very clear. Um, it doesn't mean that I couldn't start a church or something or somebody could start another assembly or, and, you know, God, you know, he can do that. But, but to come alongside. And it was just something that he clearly uh, helped me to see. And I began to see the experiences 
as not necessarily transitioning from a thing, but as seeing it as, a, as, a, as an additive, a collaborative thing, that he was building something over time. And he knew, you know, I don't always know. Um, and one of the things I'll always say, and sometimes this may seem, people may, may, may look at this as sort of, sort of a, a, you know, that you're kind of a scapegoat, you're kind of like trying to find an excuse. But I, I you know, being led by the Spirit, and, you know, I, I, I sometimes hesitate when I say those kinds of words because people sometimes think you're talking like, you know, spooky things and mystical things. But um, you, we have to be led. You know, we have to say, we have to spend time in prayer. God clarifies things. Hmm. You know, he opens the right doors. He closes the wrong doors. And, and, or he'll leave the wrong door open, but you'll have discernment. I'm not going to go through this. Pro- I mean, and again, I'm not, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but, but we have to embrace the reality because even when you're doing outreach, and I, I say this all the time, I mean, um, outreach is, and ministry just in general, you know, being led by God's spirit, um, really having a sense. And, and, you know, people say, well, what does that mean? Um, well, we have to ask God to help me to be led. And, and again, we talk about this is a forming. This is a process that happens over time. And when you've gone through multiple transitions, what happens is you become good at discerning what the yes, transition needs right. to be. It's I like know. anything else. You have many reps and you become more proficient. Yeah. Well, I was hoping that your answer was going to be, you got this call from a guy named Daniel Holmquist, and he offered, you know, God's next plan for your life. <laughs> no, it didn't happen quite that way. Well, when you think about the opportunity here, like, just off the top of your head, I mean, like, what excites you about the outreach director position here? It's just interesting to me, the outreach director position, it, it, it almost seems like it was just, you know, when I first got the n- email about the outreach director, um, again, like I said, somebody sent me an email, I, I, and I responded. Probably Chris. Yeah, I, I think it was Chris. But I, f- I responded to it, and I kind of, you know, you know, you have in your mind what you want to do, and I'm thinking, well, I'm going to do another start of a church or something like that. But I kind of put, put it on the back burner and didn't actually call for a while, call back for a while. I mean, it, it, yeah, I, I noticed it took a while. Yeah. <laughs> I actually did come back around, and and uh, and what was your question again? I think I forgot. <laughs> what excites you about the position oh. here? Yeah. I, okay. Why what do you want to be here? What excites me about Calvary is that when I was doing these experiences, I realized that what you all wanted to do were the things that I had that I had done. And I was saying to myself, it was almost like I felt like, like I mean, I didn't know. I don't, we don't know the end from beginning from our life. But as I was looking at what they want to do. And I've, I've seen, you know, people post listings about what they want to do. But the things you're wanting to do, I was saying, man, that just, that just aligns with what I've done in my heart. That, that really jumped out at me. And then as I talked to Daniel, I'll be honest with you, um, I talked to a lot of churches. I mean, I had conversations and different, different kinds of relationships. Some of them just friends. Some of them were, you know, working with them. Some of them. But when I talked to Daniel, um, again, I mean, you, you get a sense of a person's heart. And... Um, I was, I was very uh, impacted by his authenticity, what I consider to be what I, uh, uh, pure uh, spiritual leadership and the things he wanted to do. Um, and then when I came out in April and met his family, met his wife and met people, um, that, that makes a whole difference because you can go somewhere and you know, it aligns with like your things you want to do, but it's about the relationships, right? And I, and I thought to myself, I can work with this person. I like Daniel. Um, I, 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 I hear his heart. There's, there, there's an authenticity there. And, um, you know, and so that spoke volumes to me, too, as well as just looking and saying, oh, these things, I, you know. 
Well, thank you for that. That wasn't planned. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, likewise, my feelings too. So it's always like, can I work with that guy? You know, that's, that's right. Um, anyway, so a couple questions completely unrelated, but would be fun to sort of end with, I think. Um, so as you look at your resume, another thing that stands out is a fascinating formal education journey uh, as well, because it starts with a Bachelor of Science in Biological Sciences, and then it goes to a Master of Divinity, then it goes to a Master's of Business Administration, and now you're working on your Doctorate of Ministry. You have a lot of interests. Yes. So um, I just thought people might want to hear, because uh, Daniel's still, he's in the data collection phase, correct, of his D-Men, Doctorate of Ministry project. So could you give us a summary of your D-Men project in layman's terms? Yeah. Yeah, we don't want to be bored. Okay, you know? okay, yeah, yeah. We yeah. just want layman terms. It, and how you see it's going to benefit the church, too. Okay? Well, good question. And I, I think what I'm doing, and I'm going to try to make it as simple as possible, I'm, I'm looking at ways for, we talked about the believers and everyone's called to ministry. I feel like that our vocations are callings, whether I'm an architect, whether I'm a physician, whether I'm a nurse. And again, it's getting back that vertical understanding of the Reformation, understanding that people are ministers in their vocation. And so I'm, I'm doing a study where I'm looking at ways to um, take vocation, what people do, because everybody's not going to be a Pastor Daniel, or everybody's not going to be an outreach director. You don't have to be. The majority of the people in ministry are not doing those things. So how do we then empower them to be entrepreneurs in, a, in, a, in different kinds of senses um, uh, as, as, as vocationally in ministry? How, would it, how do we get them to begin to think of ministry in what I do every day? Um, and that is a huge issue in the church. So entrepreneurship is not necessarily starting a business. It's, not necessarily. It's being creative. Being, yeah. being, being creative, being a sent one. An entrepreneur has sort of a, uh, they are sent in a place. And, and they're creating, I think, in, in uh, ministry in their, in their vocation, in their calling. And so it can be entrepreneurial, but, but, but it, 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 it's really, I'm being creative in terms of what my vocation is. Everybody, you know, we think in our world now, young people, you know, am I going to work for IBM? Am I going to work for Microsoft? Am I going to work here? Those are fine. You can get trained in there. But, but I think as generations begin to really evolve, and that's probably not mm -hmm. the best word, as we evolve in our terms of understanding ministry, I, I really think the people that are going to really be impacting the culture and the world, and not just marketplace, because marketplace is I work a job, but I share Christ. That's marketplace. It's different. Okay. But I'm talking about vocational entrepreneurism is, is where the person is literally... They are sharing their faith, but they're finding a way how to carve out their niche in their, in their field, in their endeavor. So I'm looking at the long tail, the long range goal of how, how raising up young people, and I say young people only because of the fact they have more years ahead of them, but, um, you know, potentially. But how can people then begin to think ministry when they're preparing for their lives? Mm -hmm. um, it's not just the ordained clergy. Does that yeah. help a little bit? Yeah. No, that's so really good. Sourcing those ideas. And it sounds to like it's an expansion of some of the ideas that have been out there for a while. Like, yeah, like you talk about what's the difference between marketplace mission and you're simply saying that, well, that's, I'm in a job, I'm going to share my faith, which is great. But then is there something even deeper, maybe and broader? So I'm looking forward to yeah. reading it when it's finished. Yeah. And I, and I, well, I want, but, but I, I will add when, when people are in, places of positions of authority, and they, they, they change the dynamics of a culture. 
you know, the holistic understanding, and uh, you know, and that's not overly theoretical, but when we change the dynamics of a culture, um, we can do that much more exponentially when we are leaders in our callings. I would go to drive to Grand Rapids, Michigan sometimes, just because when I would drive to Grand Rapids, Michigan, when I was in Detroit, Detroit was a, it was a really challenging city. But I'd drive to Grand Rapids, Michigan, and because I had a college there, the atmosphere would change when I would cross a certain place. You know? And so getting people to think differently and then to practically do that. So I'll just okay. leave it at Well, thanks. Yeah, no, that's helpful. And then finally, my last question, um, what are your hobbies and recreations? Yeah, um, I love Thai food. Yes, <laughs> I know that. Okay. I love my hobbies. Um, I, I, I'm a musician too, um, not as proficient as some of my family members. But so yeah, so what is your favorite instrument to play, Daniel? My favorite instrument is saxophone. Um, I, I started off playing clarinet. Well, actually, I started off playing piano. Because I remember, like I said, we all had to play piano. Um, but then I went to clarinet and then went to saxophone. So that's my favorite. I like, I like jazz. I like, um, you know, funky gospel. You playing in a jazz band currently? No, I don't. Not currently. Not currently. But you have? I have in the past, you know. So yeah. you're like performance level. Well, I mean, I won't go that far. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm just giving Ramey some ideas. Yeah. And then I like, I like, I like to hike. I like to, Hiking. you know, yeah. I like to hike. I like to run. I'm, I'm very into like, you know, fitness and, and, and understanding nutrition. Um, I think those are things I, I read and study that a lot. I mean, I'm a science person. So those are just interest hobbies. All right. And animals. Animals. When we were growing up, we were growing up, we had a home that was like a zoo almost. And I had reptiles and snakes and lizards and dogs. I mean, it was just, it, 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 it reeked with the smells of reptiles when you walked in the house. So, but it was just, I was fascinated. And I would, I would do dissections, I think, on frogs and stuff. Oh, God. But anyway, so I like that. All right, we'll stop at the dissections. <laughs> so, this is a good spot to take a break. Um, so, um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll end here for this evening, but thanks, Daniel. So this has been really good getting to know you, and hopefully some of these questions I prepared were helpful to you to get to know him a little bit better as a person, uh, broader ministry level, a little bit of his background, um, sort of what he might bring to Calvary, give you some ideas for some further questions that you have for him on a personal level, questions, again, that you can feel free to email me this evening if they're of general interest, and I'll try to pick a few for tomorrow. And just to remind you, um, about tomorrow. So that's at 1030 here. Um, so we'll have a like a mini training session from Daniel, uh, so to speak, get to interact with him on that training itself a little bit. Um, and then um, we'll have uh, some time for some of those general questions as well. And then we'll also have lunch because we'll have food every meeting. Yeah. So that's the plan. Um, yes, so now we are going to go into the gym and uh, have coffee and cupcakes, I believe, is what has prepared, right? So let me pray for that and uh, pray for our further interaction. Uh, so Lord, we thank you so much again for your uh, grace in our lives, for uh, even as we talked about this evening, how you are working from beginning to end in our lives to form us into the very image of your Son. Um, and there's so much is involved in that, and in that process we get to participate in uh, preaching the gospel, expanding the kingdom. We get to grow ourselves, see those developments in our life by your spirit transforming us. And uh, we thank you for these uh, thoughts that we could think on this evening. Uh, thank you for Daniel, um, newbie with us, and uh, just getting to know him a little bit better. And we ask that you'd bless our time of fellowship and food um, here this evening, and that you just continue the conversation uh, for your glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>